0: A study of 1st Peter. What, what comes after 1st uh, Peter, 2nd Peter. <laughs> we are starting a study of 2nd Peter and 1st Peter and 2nd Peter um, do go together well. They both parallel different things. Uh, Wade and I spoke this morning some about that. 1st uh, uh, Peter has lots of parallels in the book of James. Second Peter has lots of parallels with the book of Jude. Both deal with the end times, both deal with the church, the church's proper response, how the church should act in light of what is coming. Both persecution in, in the first letter coming persecution, how to live with it, how to deal with it, how not to be surprised by it, what it calls us to do. And now in this letter, some really beautiful passages that we're going to spend a bunch of time on here in the beginning, before the thrust of a lot of what he's speaking about, what he's warning them about, is false teachers and false teaching. So, speaking of false teaching and false Teachers warned about them. They will come. They are here. One of the ways that is a pretty easy way to gauge whether or not someone is trustworthy when they're teaching about scripture and from scripture. In this case is something very simple. If you look at Wikipedia about Second Peter, it will tell you Most modern scholars believe that 2nd Peter was written by someone other than Peter. The Bible talks about that type of person, and it calls them a fool. But Clayton, they have PhDs in Semitic languages. Yes, and so do the fools who vote on whether or not they agree with something that Jesus said enough to include it in the Bible. Satan comes at the very beginning, his first appearance, and says, did God really say? Did God really say? And why is it a mark of shoddy scholarship, of pathetic thinking, worldliness, that's infiltrated the minds of modern scholars to think that Peter didn't write 2 Peter? Well, verse 1 Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter, several times in this letter, will reference things that are autobiographical. In this chapter, he'll talk about being a witness to the transfiguration. Peter wrote this. If you are reading scripture, and someone at a university somewhere can get you to go... Wait a minute, was 2 Peter written by someone else? Look, there's some stylistic differences. Well, I mean, he's a simple fisherman. He never could have been influenced this much by Greek Hellenistic ideas. They've undercut for you the authority of Scripture. We do not edit Scripture. It edits us. It transforms us. It changes us. And so, it sounds maybe like why are we spending a bunch of time in the preface of 2 Peter to tell you Peter wrote it? It's because the postmodern, post-Christian age that we live in here in America is dominated by scholars who will tell you that Peter didn't write 2 Peter. Uh, are you aware of Yeah, Yeah, no, no, I'm aware, yes, yep, read that stuff. Guys, Peter wrote 2 Peter. He did. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, inspired by God, and it doesn't have any errors in it. And as we look to Scripture, part of what Scripture is doing is affirming itself and teaching us where to go to understand God, to understand Christ, to understand His commands for our life. Uh, you know, for me, uh, lately, Clayton, I gotta tell you, I've I've been post COVID. You know, I I just I don't think that I'm gonna I, I'm just gonna be a virtual Christian. I think uh, I'm gonna get some VR goggles. Maybe I can watch the the broadcast. It'll be more like I'm there. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna text people periodically for encouragement. But mostly, it's gonna be me and Jesus. Just 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 you know, we don't need all this other distractions. That's not what this passage is going to exhort us to do today. It's also not how we're supposed to learn as Christians. We learn in community together. That's why we're supposed to assemble. Well, I you know, honestly for me a big a big thing that I've been doing is I've just been going into the hills and and, you know, I see Jesus in every droplet of rain and I see Jesus as I look in the sky. I see Jesus on the clouds. I see Jesus in the flowers. I see Jesus on a bee and a hummingbird. What did the hummingbird tell you to do today? There was no call to repentance from the hummingbird? It is not wrong to glory in the creation that God made. It is absolutely wrong to worship the creation. It's also absurd for someone who claims the name of Christ to think that the primary place that they will find encouragement, exhortation, promises conviction, rebuke is outside Scripture. The Bible is where we need to be going to learn. 2 Peter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you because of sinful desire. Now, that is not a long passage. Often, I preach through a chapter. Randy and I are talking. I think think his pace is galloping up to half a chapter. This is just a few verses, but we're going to spend the entire time on these few verses. The reason is that there's... A bunch of packed in meaning to the beginning of the of this book, and a lot of the packed in meaning is not tied to false teachers, rather, which will come later. rather, this is tied to proper church structure, proper church authority, and who we are as Christians. I'm not going to make an entire uh, case for. Uh, Baptist or congregational uh, church governance here, although that is what we believe in as a church. I'm going though to to talk about the biography of Peter, how it applies to us, how he defined himself through Christ, what we have obtained, what equal standing means in priesthood of the believer. So first, his name, his name, Simon Peter. Well, that's just his name. Hey, I'm Clayton Wood. Well, it's not just his name. He wasn't known as Peter for a lot of his life. He was not known as Peter, that good fisherman. That's not who he was. He was Simon, a good fisherman. Jesus called him. Jesus made him a disciple, a follower. And Jesus named him. If you'll recall, we've studied as a church together the book of Acts, but we've also studied in John. We've studied the parts of his life when he's given his name, and the parts of his life when he becomes a leader through the power of the Holy Spirit. And part of how God did this is God uses someone for this task who is not the most educated. Quick quiz, Bible drill, Bible quiz. We're outside. You'll have to yell probably to be heard. Who's the most educated person in the original disciples? We've talked before about how Paul's like this lawyer who went to the top Harvard Law School of O.T. Pharisee law. Who's the most educated in the original disciples group? There's some discussion. There's some angst. It's okay to be wrong. just yell out. Don't yell out any name. If they're not a disciple, that would be embarrassing. Mark, Mark is an educated man. Matthew is an educated man also. I'm going to say Luke. Well, uh, Clayton, doesn't that depend on whether or not the, the Romans educated Matthew more as a tax Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, guys, let's, let's say. Do you think it's possible to say? I think it is. That Luke, Matthew, and Mark were all better educated than Simon the fisherman? These people are all pretty well educated. All three of them. Who is not the best educated of this group? Peter. He's not. He doesn't have the credentials. He's working in fishing, and he's not, as far as we know, working in fishing while writing best-selling novels that just spread throughout Judea. He was a fisherman. God chose him because he was a fisherman, because his power was made manifest in using this man for his glory. One of the primary arguments about Peter saying that, you know, again, that he's been influenced too much by, this can't possibly be his voice. Yeah, it is. It is through the power of the Spirit. In Acts, he was also preaching where everyone's hearing in their own language. When when did he... Was that like Duolingo? Did he have like a really sweet... He took a lot of time to learn 10 or 20 languages? No! It was miraculous. It was the power of God at work. And the power of God at work here is that Simon Peter is the rock upon which the church is built. Yes, ma'am. some uh, and he learned reading from the book. That's right. He had he did not have the academic background and knowledge, but he had the personal knowledge through the knowledge of him that we're going to see here in verse three, Simon Peter was the rock upon which the church was built. He denies Jesus three times. And three times he's asked, Do you love me? And every time he's told, Feed, take care of, baby Christians, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And he becomes a person who for the rest of his life is called to serve the church. And in this case, he's serving the church through warning the church about what is to come. But... We're just at the very beginning of looking at a man who is both Simon, an uneducated fisherman, and Peter, a man transformed by Christ into new life. All of us, as we share the good news of the gospel, we don't all have to rename ourselves or come up with a second name or a new name, but we all need to know that we were dead in trespasses and sins and God made us alive through Christ. He he was called the rock upon which the church is built, but what we're going to talk about is, so was Peter, in everything he said at all times, the undisputed leader of the church who made no errors? Oh, man! It seems like you're getting towards Reformation kind of stuff. Yes, I am. Peter was not given authority over everybody else in the church and everyone had to obey peter and he was in charge and now we have a, a unbroken line of succession it somehow moves because at one time the center of the church is in alexandria then the center of the church is up in the byzantine area it's in rome we've always had a pope he's always been right he's always nope Because there's not historical precedent, but there's not, most importantly, most importantly, there's not biblical precedent for it. Simon Peter in Galatians 2 is rebuked because he's doing the wrong thing. He's doing the wrong thing as a minister of Christ. He's doing the wrong thing in showing preference to those who are following the law. He's doing the wrong thing in working with the Judaizers in fear of the Judaizers and moving away from Gentiles who God brought into his kingdom apart from the rules of circumcision. And Paul rebukes him to his face, and there's not an initial, thanks so much, I love being rebuked, but there's a change in view. And Simon Peter describes himself not as the head of the church, and everybody does what I say. Simon Peter describes himself as a servant. That's the first way he describes himself. That word in Greek, doulos, bond servant, slave, slave of righteousness. Uh, we don't, we don't, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. It is uncomfortable. All of the concept to us of submission every single day, dying to yourself, goes totally against what our culture teaches. Our culture in our commercials have it your way, you deserve a break. It's all about you. Whatever you want. You do you. No. We are called to walk in complete obedience to Christ. We are called to follow in service and obedience the perfect example of Jesus who says, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. And who made His life a life of service to others. So Simon Peter is recognizing his past, but also who God's made him to be. And he calls himself a servant, and apostle of Jesus Christ. Two, those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Guys, Galatians 2 has now come into full effect, and he is teaching the truth that there's not multiple classes of Christians. Is he going to address later? Maybe. Some of the antinomian, uh, carnal Christianity. you can be a Christian, just a lesser Christian, Christian who doesn't really show any fruit. I would argue that he does. But what's he talking about here? How many classes of Christians are there? There's just one. There's just one. There's not Christian elite. Oh guys, at this point I'm a yellow Belt Christian. Uh, Went through the camp, uh, came forward, uh, gave my testimony. Still fornicate a good bit, so I think that's really hurting my progress to the next belt. Um, Some of my language is better, but, you know, other parts... Well, it depends on traffic, doesn't it? That is not a picture of biblical understanding. We are justified completely in Christ. And then sanctification, which is not a linear process that we can compare ourselves against others, takes place in our life because we love the one who loved us, and his love is compelling us, transforming us, and making us into the image and likeness of Jesus. To those who have attained a faith of equal standing with ours by good works. No. By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, before you say, well, Clayton, in, this, in context, it is in context of, and we will get to, and really the next sermon will be, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and stead- self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. Does that sound like somebody who's just like, all I've got is grace, man. I do whatever I want, but God keeps forgiving me all the time? No. No. Because it's not a picture of Christian life. It's not. But there aren't different classes of Christian. You're saved or you're going to hell. That's it. Jesus is Lord and Savior for you or he is not. But salvation is found in Him alone. It's not found in our works. Do I believe in the office of elder? Yes. Do I believe in the office of deacon? I do. Do I believe in 15 other offices? I do not. I've never seen them. I don't find warrant for them biblically. I think those are the offices. He calls Himself apostle. Does that exist? Yes. Do we believe that that exists in the same way today? Our church does not to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, one of what he, the things that he's about to warn about is one of the things that is so hard for those of us who believe in the priesthood of the believer. Can I get just a little hand raised so I can kind of get a picture of... Is this a common... Do we, do we know this? Have we heard this before? Priesthood of the believer priesthood of the believer. For most of church history until the Reformation, there was an understanding that in order to know God, in order to speak to God, in order to communicate with God, you had to go through a priest. You had to talk to a priest. And there was not knowledge, not understanding of truths that are clear in Scripture. There is only one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus. And so, people believed that they needed this priest in order to be between them and God, and that if they had a question about what God wanted them to do, the priest would tell them. And we believe that instead of going that way, that how you know what God wants you to do is by God telling you through the Bible, Scripture. All of us, and now listen, this is something we should not take for granted. Scripture is precious, and many people throughout history had no chance to study it. But we live in an age when it's easiest to study, and it's not seen as precious by most of us. And it should be. In various versions, in various ways, for free on your phone, you can read the Word of God. Equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Where does grace and peace come from? Uh, for me, it's like i got to roll out my yoga mat. I get like three poses in. It's kind of supernatural because my back's been hurting. Three poses in, and then uh, grace and peace. That's not where we get grace and peace. Is not where grace and peace comes from. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Our culture is a culture of constant distraction, constant pulling for your attention. Look over here, look over here, Look at, listen, listen, look, look, look. I've watched moms, including my wife and others in our congregation, with the pull constantly of little kids. Hey, hey, mom, 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 My youngest is so used to saying, Mom, 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 maybe hundreds of times a day that when she's not around and he wants something from me, he still comes up, Mom, 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 mom. Buddy, what's my name? Oh, daddy. That's right. That's me. But guys, when you don't have little kids anymore, You still have constant pulls for your attention, for your affection, for your time. And what you are being asked to fill your mind up with is knowledge of anything, everything but God. And I guarantee you that may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of fantasy football. It's not in Scripture. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of predictions on the fall elections. It's not in Scripture. May grace and peace be multiplied to you, and now I'm preaching to myself, in the knowledge of COVID transmission, prevention. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How do we come to know grace and peace? Through knowledge. Now, does this mean head knowledge? Or does this mean heart knowledge? Can I tell you it's both? It's head and heart knowledge. Does it mean just head knowledge? No. It means relational heart knowledge to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. It is talking about that kind of knowledge. But it's also talking about reading, meditating on, learning, studying, Scripture, so that our minds are renewed. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Through the knowledge of Him. Oh, I don't feel peace in my heart. I feel unsettled. I feel anxiety. What's going on with our economy? Is this going to be a cashless society? Is our fiat currency destined for inflation? Is it going to stagflation? Should I buy Bitcoin? What is happening? Oh, I want you to have peace. Right, right. Who do I... Am I I reading... I mean... Austrian economists? Through the knowledge of Him? That's where we get grace and peace. Through the knowledge of Him. Who called, us, who called us to his own glory and excellence. Piper has done probably more than anyone in contemporary church life to point us to this fact that we are called to bring him glory. Grace and peace comes to you when you know that you are not the star of your story. You are not the star of your story. He is. He is. Simon Peter telling his story is glorifying God when he talks about everything good that's happened through Peter, and he knows that because he understood who Simon was. Simon the fisherman doesn't write this letter. Simon the fisherman cannot write this letter. Simon the fisherman was transformed into Peter through the power of Jesus Christ, and the same is true for us through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises. Ask yourself this when you're feeling anxious. What are the promises of God? What are they? What do they say? What can I learn from them? What can I believe in them? Do I need to fear death? No, promises of God. Am I alone when I feel lonely? No, the promises of God. Will the pain that I feel last forever? If you're a Christian, the answer is no. See the promises of God by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now, there are so many different heresies that can be addressed. There's so many different ways that we can be pulled away. But, have knowledge of him that's in your head and in your heart. Learn who He is and what He requires of you through reading Scripture and have the multiplied, multiplied grace and peace through that relationship that overwhelms you. So, we'll end with Simon Peter in this book as he writes this warning about false teachers. Can he bring this warning in person to them? No. He's writing a letter to the same people. We have pretty good reason. Now, is it absolute no? It's the most likely, based on scholarship, to believe that at this point of his writing, he's imprisoned. And he's imprisoned toward what? We know this from Scripture. I can say with absolute the authority of Scripture. He's imprisoned toward his execution, and it's not a surprise to him. Simon Peter is writing this as a death row inmate. And so it's a, you know, as you might imagine, it's a pretty despairing kind of letter. No. Simon Peter is writing this as a death row inmate, and it's full of grace and peace because he knows Jesus. Because he knows Jesus. Because he knows that Jesus is alive, and he knows that he will spend forever with Him. And that makes all the difference. Peter knew Jesus in a way that we don't get to. Peter was with Him. He saw Him. He'll speak of that here in the first chapter. But, all of us, All of us have a faith of equal standing to His by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We all have His Word. We all are welcomed in to a relationship that lasts from now on this earth where we see as through a dark glass, as we see partly, but, then we will see Him face to face. And for this life, for this time, grace and peace is multiplied through our knowledge of Him, for His glory, walking in obedience, knowing what He requires of us. But guys, we will all be dead soon. Oh, did you have a dream, Pastor? Nope. I'm not talking about that. I don't know if we'll be dead before December or if we'll be dead in 70 years. What I know for all of us is it's soon. It's soon. This life is a vapor. We're not here very long. And we will all spend eternity somewhere. And everyone around you and everyone you love was made by God with an eternal soul. And because of Jesus, we can be filled with grace and peace and bring that to everyone we encounter. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you that in a time when false teachers are rising up all around, false teachers often who promise that we can avoid the persecution that 1 Peter tells us about and that you promised us if we follow you, we thank you that our joy doesn't depend on circumstances, that our peace doesn't depend on circumstances, that your grace is sufficient for us in our weakness, even in informing us as we pray. We do pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that we will be faithful walking in joyful obedience. We pray that we will cling to your promises. We pray that we will have a deep desire to know your promises for our life. And when Satan comes against us, we will be able to speak the truth. Because we will have hidden our, the, the word in our heart, we will know the truth that you've given us in so many ways and so accessible for us in our culture and in our time. Help us to boldly point others to the truth as well, not because we are good in any way, but because you are good. Because you rescued and redeemed us. Because you gave us a new life. Because you gave us a new identity. We know that there is no one who has sinned so much that you can't rescue them. We know that your love is deep, that your mercy extends and grace abounds in ways that are hard for us to fully grasp. But we know it intimately because we know you and we know that you love us and we know that when we fall again and again and again, you lift us up and embrace us and give us a love that we don't deserve. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen.